God, we thank you for this time that we have to dive into your word, and, and we just ask that you would make it real to us, that you would take these words and that you would just work in our hearts and open our eyes to the work of the spirit that is in us, uh, Father, and just be with Andrew as he, as he prepares this word for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can grab your seats. Uh, I get the privilege of introducing Andrew Noble today. Uh, I met Andrew in seminary in a preaching class, so it's very exciting for me to, to be able to sit here and watch him and work for real now as I've watched a few of his other ones in, in school. Um, but one of the things I've always appreciated about Andrew is just his encouragement, his love for people, encouraging people in the Word, and his, his love for God and making sure people know him. So Andrew, he currently serves on the pastoral ministry team at Grandview Church in Kitchener. Uh, he and his wife have two children. He also writes for TGC Canada, and he's written for uh, EFC's Love is Moving magazine, and he co-hosts a podcast with one of my favorite titles. It's called uh, What Would Jesus Tech? So if you don't mind welcoming Andrew uh, to come share the word with us, I'd appreciate that. Good morning, everybody. It is great to be here. I just love this opportunity to open our Bibles, you know, I get to do that. I get to tell you about the gospel. I get to serve the church. Um, I'm 34 years old now, so when I turned 19, um, that's when God just changed my life, and I became passionate about those three things, and so it's a great opportunity to serve here today. Um, the other reason I'm excited to be here is because Derek's here. I love that guy. Um, he's great. He really is great, um, and uh, I just wish that he lived in Kitchener, where I live, so I could see him more often, but you guys should keep him here. He's great. One of my goals for today's message, I'll just be upfront about this, um, I'm hoping to increase the amount of serving and ministry of all of us, including myself. When I say ministry, it's kind of a Christian word, you could say, but it's, it's attending to the needs of someone else. And wouldn't it be great, you know, if passive Christians became more active, if active Christians would accelerate what they're doing and do it even more? Wouldn't it be great if, you know, I looked on your website, and when I checked it, there's like nine different ministries right now that need volunteers, right? So I wasn't invited here to give you announcements, but, but very much so, there's, there's needs in this church, and there's needs outside these church walls too, that through this church, there's opportunities to do all this. And I think about doing this myself. I'm a volunteer. I've never been on a church's payroll. Um, I've worked in project management and other areas, and I, I just enjoy doing it. So I'm, I'm with like 99% of you who are not on church payroll here in thinking about this subject of serving well. But there is an elephant in the room when it comes to serving and, and doing ministry and doing it well. It's burnout. Burnout. How many people here feel burnt out? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. For some of us, exhaustion doesn't come at the end of the day. It comes all throughout the day. According to Mental Health Research Canada, one in three working Canadians currently feels burnt out. So what am I doing coming here telling you, oh, you got to serve more, when some of you, you're just, <laughs> it was enough work to get here this morning, right? How do we serve well without burning out? How do we minister to others without becoming miserable ourselves? How does our serving happen in a sustainable way? God knows our weakness. He has a good word for us today. So turn with me to Romans chapter 12. 
Romans chapter 12. And we'll be going from verses 3 to 8. And there's three sections here. You'll notice that as I read through it. The first section is all about thinking. The next section about belonging. And the last section about serving. Right thinking, right belonging. That needs to happen first before we get to right serving. So Romans chapter 12, I'll just read it. 3 to 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. I'll just pause here. He's talking about the human body. So I did a kinesiology degree. If you think about the human body, um, you know, I, I studied a lot. I learned that the foot does something different than the hand, right? You know, the eye does something different than the pinky finger. Like, that's all he's saying here is there's one body, but it has many members, and each member doesn't have the same function. Verse 5, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So let's begin. Right thinking. He starts off, Paul does, by saying, for by the grace given to me. A phrase that's similar to verse 6, having gifts according to the grace given to us. The grace given to us. He thinks about his work in this way, as a gift. As a gift. Now Paul has an interesting set of experiences that came alongside his ministry. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 that he's been flogged, put in prison over and over, has been exposed to death. He says he's received lashing and stoning. He was shipwrecked five times, been in danger from rivers, bandits, and has been hungry, thirsty, sleepless, cold, and naked. All because of his ministry. And you know how he talks about it? As a gift. That's how he thinks about his work. It's the grace given to him. How do you think about your ministry, your work, the things that you get up to when you're hitting next on PowerPoint, when you're making a chip dip for a group meeting, sending an encouraging note to a friend over Facebook Messenger, leading a Bible study, or doing that even in your own home, leading a Bible study there, helping your children memorize Bible verses, or maybe you're the kind of person that gets the joy of picking up popcorn kernels after, off the ground, the joy of going to camp this week and who knows what kind of fun messes will be made that you get to clean up, scraping off the gum off the bottom of the chairs, right? How do you think about your ministry? Paul says, think about it like a gift. Your ministry is God's grace working through you, not a personal project to make you look good, not something that you begrudgingly do, something you get to do. But not only does Paul model how we ought to think about our work, he tells us how we ought to think about the worker themselves. So if you look at the text again, 
By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think very lowly about himself. No, it doesn't say that. It says to think with sober judgment. And the word judgment there, it's it's also the word for thinking. Um, He's just saying the word thinking over and over. Did you know that Christians are supposed to think well? That's what he's saying here. Christians ought to think well, in this case, about themselves. Maybe he's playing off of Romans 12, verse 2, where it talks about the fact that you're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Let's think well. This is going to lead to right action when we think well. And we ought to think neither with the pitfall of pride or the pitfall of self-pity. So just thinking about pride, there's, there's many ways that this manifests. When I was 19... I was just full of enthusiasm for Jesus, just full of confidence, full of energy, and full of myself. I had an opportunity to teach first time, and like, I had been reading the Bible almost every day, and I kind of grew up in a religious context, so I was like, feeling like most people don't do that. I'm pretty good. And so I was like, well, I'll just go into this, and, and to just get to the end of the story, a guy came to me the next day, and I'll never forget, he looked at me in the eye, and he just said, what was that? Like, like, he genuinely did not understand what I was trying to say, what was going on. I was rambling on because I was prideful. So if you don't have the right view of yourself, it will hinder the effectiveness of your ministry. We ought to not have too high of a view of ourselves, but rather think of ourselves with sober judgment. See, the fruit of your good works is limited by your character. Pride says, you know, those jobs over there, that thing, that's beneath me. But humility says there's no job that's beneath me. Thinking about this practically, like, there's no admin work that's beneath you. There's no homework that's beneath you if you're in school. There's, there's no toilet too dirty just to get a little bit uncomfortable here, you know that neighborhood dog owner comes around, you see it, you see what's been left behind? Is that job beneath you? Is that for someone else to do? Will you love your neighborhood dog owner? Will you do the boring jobs, the seemingly thankless jobs, like in, in nursery and children's ministry, sometimes they just aren't thanked. They're just given kids and please take them away from me, right? We need to have the right view of ourselves and the right view of our work. We need to think well, right thinking, humble thinking. The other thing that happens with pride is it leads to burnout. A lofty view of yourself, some of you have experienced this, right? You're like, all right, I can do this, I can do this. Why don't I add this to my weekend? And why don't I add this to my weekly schedule? And by the way, I'm going to start a Bible reading plan that I'm going to complete in three months. You know, we have this view of ourselves that is completely unrealistic, right? That's why Paul is saying, before he gets to the serving part, think with sober judgment, right? There's a book by uh, Kelly Capick. I love the book. It's called You're Only Human. And uh, I'm like, don't, you don't have to read the book. I'm not giving you more to do right now. It's like, I know we're talking about burnout here. But just the title, You're Only Human, right? Isn't that good news? 
I think sometimes what we do is we're, we're spending our days on our devices, and we charge up the computer, we charge up the phone, the next day it's back to full productivity. That's, that's all we think we need. If I just get a good night's sleep, I'll back to, be back to full productivity. But you're only human. You need far more than just sleep. You're human. You, you need love. You need relationship. You need laughter. You need friends. You, you of course, need food, really good food. That's important. <laughs> you need lots of things in your life. Think with sober judgment. Not more high than you ought to think, but rather properly, knowing that there are some jobs that are beyond you, right? That you can't add to your agenda. So neither should you think that some jobs are below you, but you should also recognize that some jobs are beyond you. Now I need to nuance this a bit, because for some of us here, the struggle is not, okay, some jobs are beyond me. It's, it's actually all jobs are beyond me. It's the pitfall of self-pity. It's the feeling that you might have when you go into someone else's home and everything's clean, like immaculately pristine. Like you look at their light fixture up high and it's, it's like dusted. Who does that? That's like, like who remembers to do that? That thing gets dust so quickly. Like, let's be honest. When we recognize the gifts of others in a Bible study, in a community center where you're serving meals, at welcoming, greeting at the door, you're like, I can never smile like that. Like, they are better than that at, than me. And we have this self-pity. We think that we can't be used. And so this is another pitfall that Paul doesn't want us to get into. And just one of the things that he unpacks in this passage here, and he unpacks it in more detail in 1 Corinthians 12, is that every Christian has spiritual gifts. Every single one. So if you're here, you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you that's working in you, you have gifts. We might not know what those are at this point. I'll get into that in a bit. But you have gifts. The other thing that we need to recognize is that let's just think about the stories of Scripture. Let's, let's think about that. So you're here, you're like, ah, I don't know, I don't have this ability. I don't have this skill. I don't have this capacity. I, I have this sinful history, perhaps. Well, think about the stories of Scripture for a second. You are exactly the kind of person that God likes to use. So you got mute Moses is the one who redeems the people out of Egypt. You got a boy's pebble that takes down a giant. You got a, a girl who becomes the queen of Persia and then rescues Israelites from utter destruction. You know, Jesus has to feed 5,000 people one time. He's like, you know what? Boy's lunch. Let's use that, right? God loves to use small people who feel weak to do amazing things. We have an amazing God, and that's why you can do amazing things. God can work through you. So there are, of course, some jobs that are beyond you. But no matter who you are or what history you have, Paul, he persecuted the church, and yet here he is writing sacred scripture. No matter what your past, God can and will work through you. So there is right thinking is this, that there is no job below you, there are some jobs beyond you, but no matter what, God can and will work through you. That is right thinking, humble thinking. But we also can't just jump from here to serving. 
We need right belonging. So in verse 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. So, you know, the, the comedian Jerry Seinfeld, I think he coined this, maybe someone else did. You know, some of us would rather be at a funeral, at a funeral, we'd rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. Right? Like, we just would hate to be up on stage speaking. You know, some of us would rather literally be in a cage of lions than be in the nursery right now. Right? And some of us are terrible cooks. Like, really, like, I was a terrible cook for a time. I remember going to a potluck. I was invited to a potluck. I was, like, 20 years old or something. And so I was like, I'm going to try to make something good. I was going to make mashed potatoes. So I put potatoes in a blender. Didn't cook them first, put potatoes in a blender. It did not work out very well. Um, some of us are terrible cooks. Some of us, we, we go to a potluck and we literally bring muffins from Sobeys because like we just don't know what else to do. And let, let, let me tell you what Paul is saying in this text. That's okay. All right? That's okay. I don't want to go on too much of a rant here, but North American Christianity with our potluck culture, I love potlucks, let me be clear, serving food, making food, growing home in your own garden, you got fresh tomatoes, you're, getting, you're doing all of this work, amazing. Please do that. You make great food. Keep doing that. If you're a good cook, be so glad that you can serve God with your gift of cooking. But do not judge the person who can't. Okay? When they show up to potluck with muffins from Sobeys, Say thank you. So glad you're here. Do you want to try some of this food that's amazing and better than Sobe's muffins, right? Um, that's okay, all right? We can't be judging one another for not having the same gifts as us. We need to belong to one another, recognize that we have different functions, different parts of the body. You don't, if you go outside today, you will not see eyeballs walking down the street doesn't work like that. My kinesiology degree taught me this. It's really a helpful degree. You need all parts of the, you can't even just have feet, by the way, like feet by themselves. I know it's, it's, you know this, you don't need a kinesiology degree. We need to recognize that we can't do everything. Some jobs are beyond us, right? We need to recognize this belonging to one another, that we need one another. There is a beauty and a necessity in the diversity of our gifts. And then Paul has this crazy statement in verse 5. It's wild. He says in the second half of verse 5, we're individually members one of another. Uh, another translation says we belong to one another. Just to unpack how countercultural this is in the context of where we're at in North America, um, there is a historian, he's a philosopher as well, Charles Taylor, he's actually Canadian. He wrote this massive book over 800 pages long called A Secular Age. And so he's basically diagnosing what is going on over the last 500 years and how things have changed. And he's diagnosing it. It's an award-winning book. He's recognized as a great thinker on these matters. And he writes about our current culture, the culture of authenticity. He says this, the culture of authenticity is that each one of us, uh, and you can go, there you go, yeah, nice. 
um, the culture of authenticity is that each one of us has his or her own way of realizing humanity. Each of us have our own way of living the good life. And that it is important to find and live out one's own. As against two, this is different than surrendering to conformity with the model imposed on us from outside by society or the previous generation or religious or political authority. So the, the move here, the change over the last 500 years, now we've become far more inside than outside. We don't look to nature, society, tradition, authority. Rather, we look at this inward self. We've turned inward, if you will. The age of authenticity rejects anything external in favor of your own authentic self. And you've heard the slogans, you've heard the phrases, believe in yourself, right? Trust in yourself. Be true to yourself. Now, we could go into the nuances another time about authenticity, and yeah, there's a good form of authenticity, but it's just been heightened to an extreme, right? There's another great philosopher, great thinker. They've been invited to give many different talks at many different university campuses. Um, that writer and thinker is Taylor Swift. You've, you've heard of her. This is good. Um, so she put it this way, very accurate assessment of our culture, okay? In, to the, uh, she addressed the graduating class of New York University. I know it can be really overwhelming figuring out who to be and when, like those two things, who to be, when to be it, who you are now and how to act in order to get where you want to go. That's hard to figure out, isn't it? I have some good news for you. It's totally up to you. I also have some terrifying news. It's totally up to you. We live in an age of burnout because we've told people, you're on your own. You have obligations to no one but yourself. Figure it out. Turn inward for meaning, for purpose, for belonging. Figure it out on your own. It's terrifying. It's totally up to you. Let me be clear here. So the Christian belief is that you are not your own, and I'll discuss that in a second. The authentic culture is saying, you are your own. You belong to no one but yourself. In his book, uh, it's called You Are Not Your Own by Alan Noble. No relation to me. Um, he's a great writer. He says, to be your own and belong to yourself means that the most fundamental truth about existence is that you are responsible for your existence and everything it entails. I'm responsible for living a life of purpose, of defining my identity, of interpreting meaningful events, of choosing my values, of electing where I belong. All of these things, right? Um, it's, uh, it's like an old cartoon show, not Bugs Bunny, uh, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. You know, they go after each other. Wile E. Coyote is always trying to get Roadrunner, and he uses these massive objects to do it sometimes. So it'll be a grand piano that he'll try to drop on Roadrunner. Another time, it'll be a big boulder. Another time, it'll be like a rocket ship or whatever, an anvil, the classic cartoon anvil. Think of all those heavy objects, right? That's each one of the things that Taylor Swift and Alan Noble are talking about. These massive weights that, you know what we say to each individual? Carry all of them on your own. Bear that weight all by yourself. The freedom, Alan Noble continues, but the freedom of sovereign individualism 
comes at a great price. Once I am liberated from all social, moral, natural, and religious values, I become responsible for the meaning of my own life and all the anxiety that comes with it. As Taylor Swift says, I have some terrifying news. It's totally up to you. Yeah, sure, burnout is due to lots of factors. Um, housing market, economy, different pressures from family, abuse, lots of, lots of reasons for burnout. One of them, and one of the most important ones, is this. You are your own, and you belong to yourself. The commercials, the newspaper, our social media feeds, nearly everything is saying this. It's all up to you. And, it's, and it comes in, in these really subversive ways. It's like, oh, is your mental health struggling? Well, sign up for this app. You should be practicing this mental health routine. Oh, you aren't feeling love in your life. Well, you need to practice self-love. Instead of helping people, we are burdening them with more expectation completely on themselves. So God, he says this. He says, you are not your own, but belong to him. He says, you are not your own, but belong to one another. So we think about all those heavy objects, all those heavy things that each of us are told to carry on our own. God says, I will carry those for you. Meaning, belonging, purpose. And you could say to me, well, Andrew, there's other religions that also offer meaning, purpose. They even meet together, and so they offer belonging to and yeah, that's true in a way, for sure. But every other religion, what they will do is they will say, there's the good life, and then once you live it, you get the escape, you get the nirvana, you get the afterlife you want. But you need to reach this level of righteousness. You've got to work hard enough in order to do that. And so in every other religion, there's still this incredible pressure to live up to this standard perfectly or else. Or else you don't get that thing. You don't have that hope. It's all up to you. And this is where Christianity is different. Because Jesus Christ says, you know that righteousness? Yeah, it actually has to be way up here, and I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to live the life that you should have lived. I'm going to care for the people that you should have cared for. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to serve the poor. I'm going to say the things that need to be said. And then I'm going to die. Not because of anything I did. No, Jesus Christ, he died for our sins. He died because we can't live up to that standard. And so he lived up to that standard, and we get this exchange that we sung about in an earlier song. The exchange of his righteousness to us, and then we give our guilt, our shame, our burdens to him. And so Christianity offers this new belonging. This new belonging where we are one body in Christ. We all belong to Christ. It's, it's said in scripture that he is like the head and we are the body. And we are individually members one of another. We are all joined together by this supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ. And this belonging to one another, it looks like, like how you would think belonging looks like and caring for one another and, and recognizing that if you belong to the other person sitting next to you, well, maybe your belongings belong to the next person next to you too. Maybe it changes the way you think about finances. I was talking to one church, not my own, and, and they had a person in their congregation who had a medical expense. They didn't have insurance. The government wasn't going to cover it. $9,000. And it was basically one of those things where his life would 
would very much deteriorate if he didn't have this expense paid, but he did not have the money. The church came together, and they said, we'll see how much we can raise for this individual. They let everybody know about it, and then, sure enough, you know how much money was raised? $9,500. And then you know what happened? <laughs> Once he got to the hospital, there's additional expenses that they didn't expect. You know what it added up to? $9,500. And the church came together to care for that individual with their belongings, right? Members of one another. The word members is used here. Just going to state the obvious. Membership is biblical, right? Some of us are uncomfortable with the idea of becoming a member of a church, and there might be a history and circumstances that I recognize that might lead that to be a difficult thing for you. I'm just telling you today that to be a member of the church is a biblical thing. It's, it's belonging to one another. It's recognizing that in some formal way. And also, we need to think about the needs of one another, recognizing that not all of us can cook very well. So why don't we help that person out? Not all of us can do the different things that happen. And so, we need right thinking, but we also need right belonging. Right belonging is that we do not belong to ourselves. You are not your own, but belong to God, and you belong to one another. Right thinking is knowing no job is below you, some jobs are beyond you, and that God can still and will work through you. But we need this right belonging as well, belonging to God and to one another. Right thinking, right belonging, now let's get to right serving. Right serving. So Paul talks about this in, starting in verse 6. Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, if you look at the original Greek here, you know what it says. It says this means to hire an external consultant. You've got to bring them in for a two-year period to run workshops at your church on discovering your spiritual gifts. What you'll do is you'll take surveys and complete journaling exercises to discover your inner self, to discover the pure you. And this will take time and reflection, and you'll turn inward, and then you will learn, and finally, one day, maybe you'll do something about it. Now, you can tell I'm being sarcastic. It's the great Canadian form of humor. I worked at a personality company for five years. I think it's great. Personality surveys are great. They can be used of God. They can be used by church members. You can do a spiritual gifts inventory. You can hire external consultants, whatever. You can do it. There can be good uses of that. But do you recognize how spiritual gifts in North America has become sometimes an inward turn? And that the original Greek here, you know what it says? It says, having gifts according to the grace given to us, let us use them. The point is to use your spiritual gifts not to focus on yourself, to get active in ministering to others, meeting the needs, physical and spiritual, of others. That's what Paul cares about. And yes, it's going to be difficult to sometimes to know what your calling is. And I recognize that. And so, yeah, do a spiritual gift survey or whatever. But like on your website, right, uh, when I checked it, there's like nine different areas you can serve in. And you could just message someone and be like, hey, I can serve. One of the things we see in this list, verse 7, if service in our serving. So if you got service, okay, how do I know if I have the gift of serving? Email the address on the website or talk to Derek, and is there any opportunity to serve? And then serve and see if you can do it. Can you, can you greet people at the door? Can you set up tables? Can you go to the food bank and, and show up and you can serve there? What can you do? 
There are opportunities. Use your gifts, our spiritual gifts. Now, in the New Testament, there are all sorts of uh, spiritual gifts lists. So, like, here we have a list. Um, and we can compare that list to others in the New Testament as well. So, if you look at this text, you'll see that there's prophecy, there's teaching, there's exhorting, there's service, there's leading, and there's giving, and mercy, acts of mercy. But in other areas of the New Testament, it's not always the same list. It seems like some are missed, some are missed, and in other cases, others are added. So what's going on there? Well, there's no definitive spiritual gifts list, okay? It seems that there's a lot of different areas that you could serve, and not all of them are listed in the New Testament. And so therefore, it's, it's kind of a process of not taking a look at the list and figuring out which one you are. I think it's more important to look at the needs in your community and your church and using whatever you got to serve. So let's go through each one of these. I know this is a little bit more teaching than preaching, but I think it's helpful to just think through each one of these words. So prophecy, in the verse, it says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, which is interesting, like in proportion to our, our faith, prophecy, I would define it as giving timely truth. It needs to be based around scripture, but it's timely truth. And there could be an error that some people make that they say a little bit too much. So it's like in proportion to your faith, there seems to be some limitations that Paul wants to put on it. But we need to give timely truth to one another. That's one of the gifts that you might have. Another one, service in our serving. I really think this is a catch-all category. Any type of service. That can look in so many different ways, whether you're shaking hands, setting up chairs, scraping gum off of chairs, whatever it is cooking, getting the hot dogs ready for the campfire this week. Teaching, that's preaching, that's Bible studies, that's communication. You don't need to read Charles Taylor in order to do this. You just need to teach others. Exhortation. Exhortation, I would call it as pressing truth into the life of another person. So there's, there's truth that might be said here on a Sunday or in your small group, but then it's the follow-up after an exhortation like, hey, how's that going for you? Hey, can I ask you about that thing you said last week when we met together? How's that going for you? It's really pressing that truth into someone else's life, encouraging them, but also having encouragement with an edge. Really trying to press them forward. I think Americans are better at doing this than Canadians. I think Canadians, sometimes we don't exhort one another like we could. Now, I think Americans also do some things poorly, to be clear. <laughs> but I think we need to speak up sometimes. We need to exhort one another, especially if you have this gift of it. And then contributes. The one who contributes, interesting, in generosity. So you, you've contributed before. You've, you've given financially before. And it's like, hey, Paul's saying, what about, what about more? What about with more generosity? And scripture teaches in 2 Corinthians 9 about doing it with a cheerful heart. The one who leads, it's kind of like putting forth something for others, perhaps setting forth some kind of vision, direction. Interesting that Paul adds with zeal. Let's say you're leading something, small group, ministry, pastor, wherever you're at leading. One of the things that I think Paul identifies is that it can grow tiresome being a leader. And so you, you need to kind of reinvigorate that zeal. Do it with zeal. Don't, don't just become tired. Do it with zeal. Stir yourself up in your affections for the people you lead. 
and then the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And I wonder if Paul ended here because he just wants all of this to be done with cheerfulness, with this smile on our face. And why would we smile? Because the work that we do is a gift. It's God's grace working through us. And we're not doing it by ourselves, but we belong to this family, this body, who's all up to good things that we can be a part of. Just in closing, there's this beautiful image that we have in scripture of the fact that we're not just part of the local body, but we're part of like this global body of every Christian everywhere. And so Kelly Capick, again, that, that book, he says this, based around this idea that we are the body of Christ. Today, I am caring for prisoners in jail. I am evangelizing the disenfranchised in Nepal. I am praying over the sick child in the hospital. I am serving the recovering victims of sex trafficking. I am standing against racial injustice. I am caring for widows. And I am doing so much more. How? I am doing all this because I am part of the living body of Christ. God's spirit has united me to Christ. And because of that union to my brothers and sisters in the faith. We are one. We can't do anything significant on our own. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to one another. Right thinking, there's no job below you. There's some jobs beyond you. No matter your history, God will use you. Right belonging, not to ourselves, but to God and to one another. And right serving, not turning inward, but using our gifts. Let us use them. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a good and gracious God who brings us into relationship with you and to others. And it's a beautiful thing to be part of a family. It's not always perfect, but it's beautiful to have others to belong to. Help us to care for one another. Help us to care for the people that aren't in this room right now, for the sick, for the people who have needs, Help us to grow our heart for them, our love for them. Help it to be a pure heart, not one of pride, but one of joy, of cheerfulness. Thank you for everything you do. Please help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.